The Daily Rios for Thursday, April 11th, 2013. This is the second part of the Marvel Now report card, now that it is six months old. And the first part, yesterday's episode, took a look at Indestructible Hulk, Captain America, Red She-Hulk, Uncanny Avengers, and Avengers Assemble. As I mentioned in that episode, uh, it looks like I'm going to space these episodes out and space these reviews out and give my thoughts on all of these comics and all of these issues uh, because there are a lot of them and it's not going to be done all in one episode. Um, I thought it would be, but that would be entirely too long. So I'm going to space them out. So here it is, the second part. And in this ish, uh, episode, we're going to talk about Fantastic Four and also FF, Future Foundation. Uh, I'll give my thoughts on Thor, Iron Man, and then the three cosmic books, Nova, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Thanos Rising. I don't go into major spoilers with this. I don't go into big synopsis. I don't I don't try to, you know, detail what's happening in a lot of these comics. I'm just giving an overview and then I'm going to grade them and talk about why I like them and if I'll keep reading them or not. So, if you, you know, you could use this as maybe a way to see if it's something that you want to read. And uh um but uh, like I said, not 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 a lot of spoilers, but there might be some. So, uh we'll start with Fantastic 4 and FF or Future Foundation. I read six issues of Fantastic Four and five of FF, both of them by Matt Fraction, Mark Bagley on the artwork for Fantastic Four, and Mike Allred uh, on the artwork for FF. Um, when I heard that Matt Fraction was going to take over this franchise from Jonathan Hickman, I thought, okay, that's going to work. You know, he, he, he understands science, and he understands uh, technobabble, and he understands what could possibly be thrown into a Fantastic Four book. Big ideas, grand science adventure. Uh, again, especially coming off of Jonathan Hickman. And I thought, alright, so that's something, that's what Fantastic Four was going to be. And then I thought, with Mike all, all right on the artwork for FF, well that's going to be, you know, pop comics. And, and that'll stir... Fraction to write something that could maybe be akin to uh, what he was doing in Casanova or something like that. So, with all of those expect expectations, uh, I have to say it does work. Surprisingly, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be what I thought. Uh, I enjoy the family aspect of Fantastic Four. Uh, the whole premise is that Reed is for lack of a better way of describing it, he's dying of cancer, his cosmic cells are breaking down, so he decides to go off on a year-long trip with his family and show his kids the world, the, the universe, the infinite. Um, <clears throat> he's going to be gone for a year, but in our time it'll only be four minutes, so they all hire recruitment uh, replacements, and that's where you get the FF, and you get Ant-Man and She-Hulk and Medusa and Darla, who is Johnny Storm's girlfriend. So, you know, it, much in the same way that Rick Remender talked about his Captain America stuff being an homage to Jack Kirby in the 70s with Captain America, this kind of feels like 
Matt Fraction taking a gander at what John Byrne did during the Negative Zone saga, uh, taking his, you know, the Fantastic Four off to explore and just having these adventures. Um, I don't know if that's where he, he got the inspiration, but it feels like that. And, I mean, and also, you know, I get a little bit of burn influence in the way Mark Bagley is drawing Reed, in the way he draws The Thing. Um, there's a lot of burn influence there. So, you know, that premise sounds good, and Fraction gets the family stuff down, but for the Fantastic Four book, especially off of what Hickman was doing, it's not quite what I thought Fraction was going to do. You know, we're going month to month, and... They're going off and finding this world one issue, or going back in time to see Caesar in another issue, and um, it doesn't feel as sort of creative that I, enough that I thought maybe it would. It's enjoyable, and I do like it. Uh, I certainly like uh, the FF book. I think I like the FF book more. They're, it's cool, it's poppy, it's silly, but it has a lot of heart. Uh, it really feels like All Red is having a great time with it. Um, and, and, and it's where some of the fraction writing that I enjoy is, is coming out. And really where the, the, the fraction stuff seems to be happening is in between both books, where I try to make the connections of what's going on in Fantastic Four and see how they're going to play out in FF, even though they take place in two different settings. Um, there's some interesting stuff there, those connections... Uh, you know, that's kind of where the book that I think I really wanted kind of lives. Um, uh, so again, I don't fault the book. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I, I gave um, Fantastic Four a B, and I'm giving FF a B plus. Um, if you liked Strange Tales, that indie book that Marvel put out with all those indie creators, then you'll like FF if you want something sort of off the wall and just kind of really just enjoyable, and it's nice to see Bagley back in Marvel. Um, his art is serviceable, it's not anything one, you know truly great, but it certainly fits more than what, what it did over at DC. Um, it's not, again, it's not terribly, terribly inspired, it's not daring, uh, it's just sort of good comic art, and, and that's all. Um, I kind of want to read some interviews with Fraction about this title. I, I, I want to see where he was going with this, and um, why he's sort of slowly playing out this larger story within the FF universe. Um, and, you know, I've read, uh, like I said, I've read uh, six issues of FF, so it's halfway through, you know, of a year. So uh, we shall see. We shall see. It's it's not quite living up to what I thought it would, you know, when Hickman got on to FF. And I, I hate to compare um, all the time, but when Hickman jumped on FF, you know, there were big concepts and there were ideas and it worked. And... It's not quite playing out the same way here, but I'm still enjoying it. So, FF is a B, uh, Fantastic Four is a B, FF uh, Future Foundation is a B plus, and yes, I'll probably I'll probably keep reading at least for uh, you know finish out the year and see what happens. Okay, next up, Thor. This is I read seven issues of this thing. This is an A plus, and this is just another book. Jason Aaron, Isad Ribic. Uh, Dean White on the colors for issue one, and uh, then it was taken over by um, Eves Zvorzina, I guess you say. This book is great. It really is good. It's so good. It's so different. Um, it's it doesn't. Uh, it's just good. It's good writing. This is like Jason Aaron, the writer, not the comic book writer, but this is Jason Aaron, the writer, writing this book. 
and the artwork. While I'm sure there might be some people who want something a little more comic booky, um, I'm really enjoying it. It certainly fits the story. Uh, the story is about Thor's struggle against the god butcher known as Gore, and it's told and interconnected by three various stages in Thor's life. Uh, Thor from the past in 800 AD, the present and the distant future, the present as we know him, and the distant future where he <laughs> quite, you know, he certainly resembles uh, his father, Odin. Um, you start to see how the way Aaron writes all those stories, all those settings, you see how they inform each other. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of like a, a trip through the immortal pantheons of the Mar Marvel Universe and, and, and new ones. It's really just masterfully, masterfully woven by Jason Aaron. Um, as you know, you meet Gore the God Butcher when Thor is young. He returns in his present, and he's still fighting in the future. And how does that all lay out, right? Like, what are what's Gore's plan? Why is it traversing these three way, 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 way disconnected times? Um, I think the way Aaron really nails the personalities of each depiction of Thor is wonderful to read. You get the young, brash, inexperienced Thor, um, sometimes very unsure of himself, unsure of, of, of this you know villain that he's encountering. Uh, then you get the the one that we know, the very stoic, at the ready, proud to be a god, present version, and then the future version, who has turned into his father, uh, missing an eye, missing an arm, heavily bearded, and he's just an old war dog. It's great stuff. The artwork, I just can't sell it enough. Um, I appreciate the change of pace in, 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 in the feel of it, in the look of it from other comics, the scope of it, and the level of consistency. It is good issue to issue. Um, and the only issue he didn't do was issue six, which was the origin of Gore, and that was done by Jackson Geis. Uh, you know, I, it's good. It's, the artwork is, like, it, it's worthy of a book called Thor. It's just stunning. And... It plays out all over. It's not just Earth. It's not just, uh, you know, Asgard. It's other planets, other godly dimensions, cosmic or otherwise. Really, really good stuff. Um, and the writing, as I said before, you know, this is different from Jason Aaron writing Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, this, this is like him stretching his vertigo muscles within the Marvel Universe and, and telling the story through fables and legends and lore rather than through superheroes or through, um, you know, yeah, through superheroes. So yeah, A+. plus. It makes me want to read every issue. I'm sticking along for the ride. I'm a little worried that Gore, the story might play out too long, and the origin story gave a backstory that, you know, I was kind of, okay, I, I don't know if I necessarily needed that, but I'm game. I'm in. Whole hog. This is, this is good stuff. All right, so we talked about Captain America. We talked about, in last episode, we talked about Thor. So let's get to Iron Man. <laughs> Karen Gillan, Greg Land. This book is a D. I mean, if you heard my other interview, uh, my other review way back, I don't like this book at all. I, I really don't. Um, you know, let's go the obvious. I don't like the art. I really don't like the art. It, it feels like, what were those things called? Chloroforms or whatever? The things you used to stick on those plastic things that used to stick on a piece of plastic thing and they, they were sort of bumpy or whatever. It, I really do not like the artwork. Um, I know reference is a tool, but I think Greg Land abuses it, uh, and it and it 
just destroys my entertainment of this story, uh, of this comic. And the comic itself, you know, these first five issues, I read about, uh, what was it, seven issues of this, I think, so far. Um, the first five issues are supposed to be about this, you know, Tony Stark looking into himself and and um, questioning his his, the, the, his beliefs and, and, and the foundations that he believes in, and the extremist virus gets loose, and he has to go and, and get them all because the creator of the extremist virus is, is, has now been killed, and of course all bad guys have the extremist thing now, and they're putting it to bad use, and Tony Stark is looking at it and saying, well, you know, some of those... Some of the ways they're using it is not terribly bad, but no, 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 it's bad, it's bad. I, I don't know. It's supposed to be much headier than I think it reads, than I think it comes across. And it's very, it's all one and done, one and done issues, and I think that kills the story. Uh, because every issue is almost the same. We get introduced to the mission because of a scene or something Tony says. Pepper is there to act as, uh, you know, like a sounding board for questions and things that we might bring up as readers. She insults Tony. He's usually with a bimbo. Then she usually says S.H.I.E.L.D. can handle it, but he's like, no. We see some modular armor he takes off. He beats up the bad guy, and then he gets all sad because of he's so sad about humanity and what they're doing with the extremists and and uh, sad because his friend died. And, and then the next issue, he goes right back to babes and verbal sparring with Pepper, and you just want to say, what? I don't get it. This it's just doesn't connect well at all. And Pepper's supposed to be brilliant, and she's supposed to run this company, and she comes across no better than some of the people that he's dating in the in the books. Um, you know, this there was supposed to be this sense of of challenge as he goes through and sees all these things that the extremist is doing, that they're you know sort of challenges the little that he thinks he has accomplished. Uh, but, I and you're supposed to, I guess, go along with the story with him and, and, and sort of say, yes, Tony, you know, you are you are better than them, so so don't have this midlife crisis. But but then he goes around and just, uh, it's, it's I, I don't buy it. I really don't buy it. Um, and then the last two issues, he goes out in space and because he, he thinks, you know, let me, let me open myself up to the universe, to the cosmic universe, and see what I could find out there, and what can I explore, and how can my accomplishments, accomplishments get greater because of it. Um, and then all he does is go out, and he tries to bang some purple chick, and gets caught in a, in a fight in an, an arena, and again, there's nothing to it. It's, it's, it's a D, a D for disastrous. I don't give it an F, because I'm the dumb one that kept reading it, <laughs> to see if the space arc would actually connect and be good and, and maybe connect to Guardians of the Galaxy, but they fooled me. So so it, I, I'll give it a D, but not anymore. I'm done. I'm done with the book. I'm not reading it anymore. So speaking of cosmic, let's go to the three cosmic titles. I read these next. I read two issues of Nova, and I'm giving this uh, a B plus, A minus. It's a slow-paced story, I know that this character, this new Nova uh, Sam, has been in introduced elsewhere, uh, but this is his origin. Um, his father, Jesse, was a Nova, was a black Nova or a supernova, and uh, of course, you know, the father has secrets and, and disappears, and here comes Gamora and Rocket Raccoon, and they want Sam to be the new Nova, uh, and of course he tries on the helmet and becomes the new Nova. And uh, the second issue has a great cliffhanger. It was actually kind of fun. Um, 
I like it. I really do kind of like it. I don't I, I don't necessarily love it. I don't think it's the greatest comic, but uh, it's fun. And, and it it's in tradition, right? I mean, the original Nova series that I read maybe two issues of way back from the 70s um, was a way to <clears throat> kind of create a Spider-Man-esque, Peter Parker-esque character and make him go cosmic. Um, this title feels like... DC's Blue Beetle title with Jamie Reyes, um, or Jaime Reyes, I should say. Uh, you know, young kid who gets to go out and explore the universe. What could be more cooler than that? So, uh, I like it. I like the artwork. It's sleeker than I'm used to for Ed McGinnis. Uh, this is by Ed, Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis, by the way. A creative team that I, I enjoy a lot whenever they do books. So I try to pick them up. Um, so the artwork is not as blocky, it's not as thick. Uh, when you, if you think of like Superman and Bat, Superman, Batman, or Red Hulk when they were on it, his characters are almost action figure like, stocky, uh, but they're very slender here, and I like it. I, I do. I, it's a fun book. It's, it really is not much more to say to it because not much has happened. <laughs> um, uh, so we'll see where it goes. And, and I like Marvel Cosmic, so I'll keep reading it. Uh, then I also read. Two issues of Guardians of the Galaxy, the point one issue and the first issue, and I'm giving this an A minus. This is Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Steve McNiven. I almost forgot that Bendis was writing this. He's really pushing the cosmic mode stuff here, but it's superhero cosmic, uh, and it works. Uh, he's not relying on uh, you know the stuff that he usually throws into his Avengers or X Men book. A lot of dialogue and a lot of plot. It's kind of very straightforward, Bendis, and it works. Um, I think the artwork is great. It continues to impress me. It's unlike Steve McNiven that I'm used to seeing, uh, which usually can can be stiff, and I don't mean that bad, but in a bad term. Um, but this one, it feels fresh and, and looser. Uh, it has a little bit of a, a Gary Frank doing supreme power feel to it. Um, and, every, and especially in the first issue, not the point one, but the first issue, there's a space scene, a space bar scene with aliens and robots. And I, I looked at it, and my first thought was, hey, Greg Land, you know, this is how you do space. And uh, so I like it. I don't like the costumes. I think they're kind of, I don't know, they're too uh, unoriginal, I guess. Um, I don't know. They're probably lining it up for the movie. Who knows? Um, but I'm glad this book is out there. It's more of a mainstream book now, Guardians of the Galaxy, because the movie's coming out, and with Bendis on the title, I don't know how long he'll stay on it. I can I could see him leaving this after a while and somebody else taking over. But hey, if it means I get a Cosmic Marvel book, and it's in the spotlight, which means it'll be around in a long time, good, keep it coming. Um, I like Peter Quill. He has conflict with his father. Uh, the premise is interesting. All This sort of galactic council has said that Earth is off-limits. And then there's consequences because of that. It's good. I enjoy it. I had to laugh. There were 16 covers to number one. And, and you know, after Justice League of America and 52 or 53 covers, I guess anything, <laughs> it's anybody's game. But really, do we need 16 covers for Guardians of the Galaxy number one? I guess. Movies coming out. And finally, we have Thanos Rising number one, a miniseries. This is by Jason Aaron and Simone Bianchi. Beautiful artwork. Man, can Bianchi draw... And does some interesting negative space stuff, if you look at it, if you if you happen to flip through this book. It's the origins of Thanos. I don't really ha have much to say about it. Um, will all this stuff stick? Uh, 
possibly, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody will ever bring this miniseries up again, but it's only one issue and, and, and it's pretty. So, uh, I gave it a B plus. Um, I don't, I know some people were saying that they, it wasn't fitting with the origin of Thanos that's canon. And I don't know, I don't have a horse in that race because, uh, it's really about the character himself. There were some things I thought, I thought the way they depicted his father, mentor, Alars, I thought that was a little off-putting, but, um, the, or I just, I couldn't stop looking at the artwork and I didn't mind the story. I, it kind of made sense, and I don't really know Thanos's backstory. I have to pull out my Ohatmu, um, and, and and some of the you know I don't know other issues I have that actually show him when he's younger. But it's good. It's it's okay. I gave it a B plus. Like I said, it's you know who knows. Other writers may not ever touch on this again. I ever since Annihilation hit, and I remember saying this back on CGS when when Annihilation hit and Thanos was back and he was out from under the Jim Starlin influence, I was a fan of that. Not to not because I was not a fan of what he, Jim Starlin did with it, but I thought, you know, okay, other writers can write the character and maybe would give him a different push. Um still keep some of that um, self-defeating quality that Starlin used to always give him, but also, you know, Starlin gave him a, 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 that certain philosophy that Thanos had, that ideology that he had, however misguided, uh, but, you know, let's give somebody else a chance, and, and it's been that way ever since Annihilation hit, and I'm thankful for that, um, so Thanos won, B+, plus. um, I, did I give Guardians of the Galaxy a rating? I, I gave Guardians of the Galaxy a minus, uh, just in case I missed it. So, there you go. I, I'm digging the cosmic stuff, and it feels like it's going to get even a bigger push now than it has in the past maybe couple years. Um, always a fan, always a fan. So, that's it for your reviews today. I will do some more maybe tomorrow, if not, definitely next week uh, as we celebrate six months of Marvel Now. Let me know what you're thinking. You can email me at peter at thedailyreels.com or leave a comment on the episode page on the website. All right, I'll see you tomorrow.